Welcome to From the VC's Bookshelf, a podcast from TBR, the College System of Tennessee, the state's largest higher education system. In this series, we examine how we might re-envision the work we do and how we work together as we move into a post-pandemic world. Please join our host, Dr. Heidi Lemming, Vice Chancellor for Student Success, as she leads a live discussion with industry experts and leaders throughout our system. Okay, excited to uh, talk a little bit with our staff, uh, community college finalists for the SOAR Awards this year. Those of you listening in to the podcast, uh, if you're not familiar with what SOAR stands for, it's the Statewide Outstanding Achievement Awards and Recognition. So uh, this annual event uh, celebrates and recognizes individuals who have been nominated by their institutions as being among the best of the best in the categories of faculty, staff, and students. This year's finalists went through an initial interview process where they were selected as a regional winner and then moved on to our final statewide competition. They did that yesterday. In this podcast series, I'll be showcasing the regional award winners in a short interview so that listeners can learn more about the faculty, staff, and student finalists from across the TBR system. It's my hope that by learning more about the regional finalists, listeners will get a sense of the amazing stories and backgrounds of the individuals who work and learn at our institutions. So with that, I've got our three staff finalists from the community colleges. Um, Again, finished the interview process yesterday. We'll find out later today who the winner is. So by the time this podcast is released, we'll know who that is. Um, But I think it's really uh, probably a good place to start for our listeners to have you introduce yourselves. Maybe take two to three minutes share your name, institution, and then anything else that you want the listeners to know. Maybe if your title is not intuitive what you do, you might want to describe what you do a little bit because folks don't naturally know um, all the different functional roles at a campus. So uh, we'll start with Frida. You want to jump in and introduce yourself. Thank you. I'm excited to be here today. And my name is Frida Leslie Pillow, and I am with Columbia State Community College. Columbia State is Tennessee's first community college. I'm honored to be a part of that institution where Dr. Janet Smith is our president. And uh, my, as far as my role at the institution, um, I serve as the career pathway specialist and also a college success advisor where I assist students in their initial steps into our institution. Yeah, that's great. Well, congratulations being a finalist. Thank you. Dale. Hello, my name is Dale Grissa. I work in the financial aid office at Chattanooga State Community College with Dr. Uh, Rebecca Ashford, our president. And I get to do financial wellness on campus and try to help students that maybe come from a background where they've never managed money, uh, learned how to pay for college, done their first budget, Um, build their credit score. And I came from all those backgrounds myself. My parents could not support me financially to go to college. So I pretty much had to learn everything on my own. And um, I get to share my story now with students um, that come from different backgrounds to try to support them as well. And then when students are paying for college to be able to give some counseling on student loans, hopefully avoiding loans if there's free or grant money available. Yeah. And um, try to coach the best we can um, so that students can hopefully graduate debt free. Yeah, that's great. Congratulations to being here. That's a unique role that we don't see at all of our schools, so that's interesting. Thank you. Matt. Hi, I'm Matthew Lexo. I'm the Associate Dean of the Center for Teaching and Learning Excellence at Southwest Tennessee Community College in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee. 
took some issue with our tour yesterday when they said that the uh, western part of the state was basically a swamp, and uh, oh, no. that, is, that is just not the case. It's not right. the case. Uh, but in that role, I get to work with faculty to help them consider their teaching practices, how to improve those teaching practices. Uh, we do a lot of work across the state and at Southwest in high-impact practices. So that includes things like service learning projects, international studies, learning communities, paired classes. And uh, that's, that's what I get to do every day. I love it. It's a great opportunity to work with faculty and watch them improve, watch them kind of explore what they can do in the classroom, which then ultimately, we hope, improves student experiences at the college. Yeah. So one of the things that I think our listeners would really be interested in learning from each of you is why do you work at a community college? Um, you know, what is, I guess, the purpose that you're getting from from being there? Just, you know, again, describe how our schools might be a little bit different than what folks normally think about when you say going to college. So that might be your driver. Matt, you want to start? Sure. Um, you know, I... I found myself at the community college, right? I started as a full-time faculty member and honestly, I was just looking for a job as an instructor and found one and was happy to find one. And in the almost six years or six years that I've been at the college, I've had the opportunity to explore leadership roles and I've come to really value what the community college does. It's not something that I experienced. My my higher ed journey was straight to a four-year university and on to master's degree and PhD programs. Um, so I didn't have any knowledge of the community college sector. It wasn't something I had any firsthand experience with. And the more that I spend time in it, the more that I have the opportunity to teach there, but then also to work with faculty and then uh, participate in larger sort of statewide initiatives, it's become really clear to me that it's, it is a huge mover for um, population, right? It's a huge mover for our students to improve uh, their opportunities, their career opportunities, it gets them in the door more easily, right? Um, the fact that they have the opportunity to oftentimes go to school debt-free, you know, they can earn an associate's degree oftentimes debt-free because of the great initiatives we have across the state. Um, I don't know if I'm actually answering your question, but it's just, it, I think it is a wonderful, wonderful asset. And Tennessee has shown me that um, the community college is a real jewel, I think, to to leverage people's self-improvement. Yeah, no, I think you answered the question just fine. I think it shows that your kind of your passion is building because of um, what you've learned a community college offers for students. So that's great. Dale or Frida, which one of you wants to go next? Sure. Well, um, for me, I would not have gone to college if it hadn't been for the community college. Um, affordability was one huge issue. I actually paid for my first classes myself since I didn't have the family financial support at the time, and then learned to do a FAFSA mm -hmm. and seek um, assistance with that. So uh, it was a great transition for me because I didn't want to talk to anybody. I can't believe I'm sitting here right now in front of a microphone. <laughs> I have a passion for media now and end up majoring in it um, mm -hmm. at Chattanooga State. But at that time, I couldn't talk to anybody. Um, so the community college was just the perfect transition for me to then move on to four-year um, as needed for employment later in life. But um, I got involved in student government, mm -hmm. and now I get to be a student government advisor, by the way. Yeah, that's but, great. So full circle back around to where I started Yeah, as a student, and that just brought me out of my shell. And um, so the friends I made, the friendly faculty and staff that are still my friends and remember me from when I was a student, uh -huh. the good, bad, and ugly, um, has been a blessing because I get to work at the school I graduated from. So yeah. it's been awesome. That's great. Frida. 
Yes. Uh, actually, working at a community college, it was a pathway that was chosen for me. Um, I actually uh, had a background uh, with Fortune 500 companies, and my husband one day decided to let us move to Columbia, and I said, what will I do in Columbia? And so uh, I explored community college, and it turned out to be an opportunity for me to pour back into uh, young people or people who are just building their lives through education, help them with their career pathway. And so it, was, it became a, a more of a passion of pouring back into individuals, uh, the different experiences I've had. And it's been an equal exchange because I have learned so much from the students over the time, over these years, um, nearly 13 years now. Wow. Um, it was supposed to be just like uh, two years, but, <laughs> but it's 13 years and I'm loving it. I'm still learning and still able to grow and help others grow as well. Yeah, that's great. You obviously have passion for the institutions that you're working at and community colleges in general. So that's why you're the best of the best, right? Because you have that passion. So I appreciate hearing that. Um, when you t think about what you do in your role can, in supporting students, um, what are the kinds of things that you're providing that, that also give you that sense of purpose? You've started to allude to that a little bit. Maybe it's, you know, your background experience being a community college student yourself uh, in some cases, like you probably never thought you would be there and you kind of landed there just because it, the things worked out that way. Right. But, um, I'd love to share with our listeners kind of what you're doing in your role that really supports students. So if you could define that a little bit more clearly for our, for our listeners, um, Frida, you want to start? Sure. Okay. As far as my role at Columbia State Community College, I help uh, students in deciding a major and of course, we have some students, they may decide their major four and five times in the same semester. <laughs> and so part of my role is to help them uh, choose a major that fits their career pathway. And I also uh, serve in helping new incoming students with 24 credit hours or less uh, with advising on which classes to take and um, also helping their parents or their domestic supporters in understanding our process and helping them feel comfortable um, sending their, their loved one to our institution. Um, so as far as um, primary roles, that's what I do, but there's mm -hmm. also other roles, those other duties as assigned right. that I love because it provides an opportunity for for me to come out of my comfort zone and maybe help with STEM girls or help with other special um, initiatives that we have um, on the college campus. Yeah. And you're getting a sense of purpose from that just because I can tell you you have this kind of drive to help people, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. that's great. Well, just jump in there and say, after they change majors, they come to me in financial aid and say, how does that affect my aid? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but... Something we like to do in the classroom when I'm doing the money talk, basically mm -hmm. with financial aid and financial wellness, is buying a car. And we actually buy a car in class through a simulation of calculating um, your monthly car payment. How does uh, my credit score affect the interest rate on that loan? How can I get out of debt sooner and save some interest if I want to and can pay that debt off a little faster, potentially? And um, it's just a real-life scenario, along with the budgeting and um, credit score and paying for college, all those real topics that we get to have in class for a few minutes mm -hmm. um, that I think really gives that sense of purpose that, hey, we're not just 
having traditional learning here. We're having life learning. Mm -hmm. And I love that sense of purpose in the classroom because uh, many of our students are underserved and they've never, including myself, we never received this information before. Mm -hmm. And um, ironically, in our SOAR interview yesterday, one of our judges Mm -hmm. said, I didn't get this information either. Yeah. And I wish we could have sat under, you know, that uh, kind of presentation for a few minutes. And so that's what we're trying to do at Chattanooga State because sometimes you're just not getting it at high school. Yeah. Or at home. Right. Perfect. I may be a little bit farther away from the student in my current role, right, that I don't interact with students as often as I once did, um, especially in my my official role. I mean, as a faculty member, I still interact with students in the classroom. Um, but, I mean, the real value for me comes from working with faculty. And I love that experience of maybe sharing sharing some training, right, leading a session on particular teaching and learning strategies and maybe a month later or six months later, I hear from a faculty member like, hey, I did that thing that you mentioned, right? I tried this out and my students loved it mm-hmm. and I loved it. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that opportunity. And I'm personally just, you know, it lifts me up when I hear faculty say the things that you're providing, the, the opportunities and the training that you make available to us has a real impact in the classroom. We see it in our students. So that's that's like one of the ways that I, I get to feel it. I also am fortunate that I get to organize some events, right? So yeah. we have an honors convocation that's coming up in just over a week. And um, just to see students receive that recognition for their great academic and leadership work at the college, uh, I love it. I, I, don't, I don't even go on the stage anymore. I just kind of stand in the back, hand out programs, and just watch. And parents and family and loved ones that are with the, uh, with the students are just thrilled to see you know, their child or their sister, brother, whatever it might be, um, receive recognition for the great work that they're doing. I, it really is. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. What I love right now in this moment is I'm able to see kind of three different ways that we are supporting students from not only getting them on the right path academically, but like how we support them because we know finances are always a big and it might not just be about federal financial aid, right? It might be other financial Uh, considerations that might get them off the pathway so we have support there and then what is happening in the classroom how we engage them in the classroom to keep them on that pathway and to keep them engaged and so this is a good representation here wasn't even planned just happened but a great representation of the different um, life cycles really that occur for a student on their journey so that's great um one of the things that we always try to, to point out to folks, too, is the important role of community college in economic development. Um, certainly, our students are taking a variety of courses, but it's all about, at the end of the day, them getting a job. And so, um, as a staff member, I'd really like to hear your thoughts about, you know, if you were talking to somebody in the community that you work in about um, getting involved to kind of grow our, your own workforce, right? In your particular role, what does that, what does that look like for you? Um, what would be your pitch uh, to a community member on that? Dale, start. I'm you ready. made eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love this question. I, I started as a tour guide as a student, and I got to show high schools and families visiting um, our labs. And we have I've gotten to see the partnerships that industry has made with probably all of our community colleges, for sure, in Chattanooga with the Volkswagen facility, for example, in the Barker Institute, some of these huge companies that have partnered with Chat State. And so 
Um, it becomes a beautiful pipeline for our graduates to have sometimes a job waiting on them in an in-demand field with a livable, sustainable wage waiting on them mm-hmm. uh, when they graduate. Um, but to show the lab space, to show you know students that are ready to be hands-on, they don't want to just sit at a school desk. You know, they want to um, be in a space where they're creative. Um, you should see our 3D printing fabrication lab. It's awesome. At one time, we had a company with 3D printers that were making 3D printers. That's what they were doing, Mm. hands-on. So, um, and our medical labs, oh, second to none on the uh, allied health facilities. So I love to see a student where they believe, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And then to see industry partners that, hey, we're meeting actual workforce demand. There is a huge lack of uh, skilled workers in the United States. We um, had the opportunity to host one of the Atlanta Fed uh, representatives from Nashville, by the way, Uh, last fall. And she said there is a huge lack in skilled labor. Mm -hmm. And the community college is just perfectly suited to meet that need. So we can provide the training. If the industry could maybe provide a little help with the uh, facility space, if they want us to have a training center that matches what they do on the job site, Mm -hmm. we literally have that. You know, we have a chemical distillation, two distillation columns um, that represent a 300 foot one out at the Barker plant. And so students can simulate that in real time on our campus. Yeah. So And then scholarships, just to throw in the money again. <laughs> um, helping a student pay for college is another huge piece to that. And if industry wants to partner, I think the community college is just perfectly suited to meet that need. Yeah, that's great. Good examples there. Rita, you have one? Yes. Um, I would say to an economic development group that the return on investment for what we do for families, our communities, and the impact of how that will change not only our local economy, but the global workforce. It cannot be measured what type of value our education provides for them. Um, The collective work and responsibility of each of our uh, people who are investing themselves and their experiences and and uh, their knowledge base to encourage and help students build upon success that they already have when they come to us. And we're able to develop them into being critical thinkers on the job um, or even innovate, be innovators, or for them to create their own uh, pathway of work. Maybe it's not working for someone else, but just where uh, they become an entrepreneur. We provide that support and the return on investment is incredible, and it's worth promoting and supporting and just doing the business to make sure that it's sustained. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think I, I would echo that, and you said critical thinking, so I went to soft skill training, right, which is we know the value of the sort of technical knowledge that a student has when, the, when he or she graduates from one of our institutions, but that soft skill training is something that I'm unfortunate to help develop through the high impact practice work that we do at Southwest and other initiatives that are underway at the college um, to really guarantee that we have a, a complete person on the other side of, of their process at, at our college or any of our colleges, that that student, that graduate goes into the workforce, not only knowing how to do the job, but knowing all of those other things, how to communicate in a clear and effective way, right? How to work as a team member, how to lead a team member, how to delegate and receive delegation, right? I think those are all really, really crucial skills uh, that 
that can get lost in the classroom sometimes, but I think because of the work that's underway with high impact practices and other teaching and learning initiatives, we can help make sure that that student has all of those skills, right? So that mm -hmm. they're fully prepared to enter the workforce and just and hit the ground running, be it you know in the middle of the state, way out in the east or in the swamplands in the west. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that it kind of um, came to mind when we're thinking about workforce, and um, we know that uh, a lot of our students come to us un unprepared in, in a variety of ways. Um, and so it's a particular challenge for our community colleges as being access uh, institutions in thinking about how we individualize our supports for that student to help them be successful. And unfortunately, you know, we still have a pretty high number of students who don't complete, right? So within your particular roles that you play at the institution, how are you thinking about um, doing that work maybe differently so that you have um, more support for students to be successful or how are the ways, because I think each of you have a little bit of a unique um, position to support students through that journey. Um, and I think our listeners might be curious, like, well, why, why are they doing that, right? So can you maybe expand upon, like, what your role is to really get that student to complete, knowing those challenges that, that we're faced with? One thing that, that my role has started to really in the last year has started to branch outside of the classroom by working with our student affairs uh, partners at the college and thinking about some of those same strategies that we use in the classroom to engage a student to you know, help make the active learning front and center. How can we sort of front load those experiences in things like our new student orientation and the student kind of onboarding process mm -hmm. so, that, so that when they get to campus on day one, they really are prepared to succeed at, at the college level, right? I mean, if, they're, if our end goal is to help them succeed out in the community and out in the workforce, we need to do the same such that they can succeed when they come to our doors and get in and sit down in the, in the classroom on day one. Mm -hmm. And so some of those same sort of approaches that we can use for teaching and learning in the classroom, we can use in those other settings to help students come in, feel confident and like they're in the right place. I mean, at Southwest, we have a, a high first gen um, student population, right? Mm -hmm. We have uh, students who come in, as we all experience this, I know, but students who come in who are not prepared at the college level. So what can we do to minimize the stress that's created by that so that they can really focus on the learning experience and by making it as engaging as possible and providing those real real support to them from day one, I think is, is crucial to help, mm -hmm. help keeping them in the seat all the way through to graduation. Yeah. And Dale, you mentioned you're an SGA advisor. I think the first thing that came to my mind, you, maybe you were going to talk about this or not, but just even your role as an advisor, it's not your paid position, right? You're volunteering right. to do that, but right. how engagement impacts a student's success. Can you want to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. And it's a proven fact that the more involved we get, the better we can do academically. And um, that was true for me. One of the best things I did was get involved in the clubs. Um, I got involved in multiple clubs. I probably spread myself too thin, but at community college, you can jump right in. I mean, these clubs have turnover. Um, students graduate pretty quickly at a two-year type institution and, and sometimes one-year programs and the students here and gone, and we need more student leaders to step up. If you want to get your feet wet and get used to um, networking with other students and becoming a leader, developing your leadership skills well, they're just no better place. And that was literally what brought me out of my shell. I wanted mm -hmm. to add something else too, if you don't sure, mind. Sure, yeah. Behind the scenes for financial aid, I work mm -hmm. with what's called SAP appeals. 
this is with students who have lost their financial aid eligibility due to life situations which affect their grades and, and other factors. And a lot of them call me on the phone and they share their story. And it's an opportunity to talk about um, life balance and seeing not just what hindered me academically, but what has improved since then so that now I've gotten a grasp on how to handle I mean, we have students with medical challenges, um, good old academic challenges, uh, just, hey, I need some help, some tutoring, you know, mm-hmm. um, financial challenges for sure. I mean, rent right now, rent mm-hmm. has exploded for our students. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be honest with you, they're taking out student loans to pay the bills, mm-hmm. you know, to survive, to be a student. Mm-hmm. So um, having those phone conversations, and it is a lot right now, mm-hmm. um, to find that life balance, I just think that's uh, become a very critical piece to supporting our students. Because, hey, if the money dries up, um, college just isn't free, right? right? It's only free if somebody's money is paying for it <laughs> and I'm not having to. Uh, but once that is gone, um, now we really get to the bigger issues of what's affecting their life. And I don't want to go too deep, but I had a student this last year who um, was freaking out on the phone, if you want to say it that way, kind of scared to death and frustrated and struggling academically and uh, went ahead and just dropped classes and I was like, oh, no, how's this going to affect his financial aid? Mm-hmm. And I saw him a few weeks later. I work virtually. And I happened to be on campus that day. And I recognized his voice on the sidewalk at the campus. And I said, are you the one I've been talking to? Come to find out he was about to lose his foot. And he was having a huge medical challenge that I did not realize mm-hmm. was impacting his emotion and his stress mm-hmm. of surviving college. Um, thankfully, he did not go through that. And mm-hmm. uh, he's back. And he's going to graduate. And he's already got a job offer. But... Um, being there to support that student, even in the scary moments, um, mm-hmm. it's just so important to our students actually retaining and graduating. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that second story. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I share with students often um, that you're more marketable with a credential than without one. And keeping that in perspective, I link students to um, if I know kind of what their goals are, I'll link them to someone who's doing that in the field. Mm-hmm. And I, so there can be some type of mentoring and where, although I may say something, if they hear it from an outside source, it ha- it may have a little more weight mm-hmm. uh, to it. And uh, just, uh, just supporting students overall in uh, letting them know this journey is worth it and that your period of time um, in higher education, it's really small compared to the bigger scope. And I give the equation of very similar to the hinge of a door. The hinge of a door is so important to opening the door, but it's not the door. So if you don't get this piece of education, like the hinge on a door, then it's going to make it more difficult to go through doors. And so I help support them in uh, resources that are available uh, throughout our nine county area. I I helped um, with a particular office that put together a resource guide for students of just various, because a lot of times it's it's not so much the school part of it, it's everything else that surrounds it. And so how do we provide those supports to the students? Well, we may not can do everything for them, but we can at least link them to resources that we know we can trust mm-hmm. and, and resources where we have established relationships with them 
to know that they will take care of some of the outside things that we may not be able to necessarily do. Um, but, you know, we, we try to do everything. <laughs> That's the nature of our, of our business. Yeah. Well, yes. you all are probably really good at mentoring students, but I also like in that response, you're connecting how the community can still play a part in supporting students. It doesn't have to just always fall on the shoulders of the staff at the college. It is a, a, a more kind of big picture um, piece when we're thinking about all the different things that affect us uh, and our success. So great. Well, thank you guys for spending some time with me again. Congratulations on being a finalist, regardless of the outcome later tonight with the winner. I think it really, um, you should be, you should feel really proud about the fact that you made it this far in the process because I mean, you are the best of the best. This is, um, a challenging competition, not to, to say the least, but, um, you know, really, again, your stories kind of illustrate just the, the, the wealth of information and experience and care that our staff have at each of our institutions. You're just an example of that. And I appreciate you sharing those stories with us today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, honey. Thank you for listening to this edition of From the VC's Bookshelf, brought to you by TBR, the College System of Tennessee powering the state's economy and changing the lives of thousands of graduates starting successful careers each year. To learn more about upcoming book selections or to register to attend discussions live, visit tbr.edu bookshelf.